Hey there. Welcome to episode 8 of ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. Today's episode was made possible by Poli Mortgage Group. Poli Mortgage Group, rates, integrity, and service. The Hawks have a game Tuesday at home against the New Orleans Pelicans, and today we'll talk to Mason Ginsburg of Bourbon Street Shots, the Pelicans affiliate for ESPN's True Hoop Network. On today's episode, we discuss the Pelicans reintroducing healthy players into their rotation and how that will affect their prospects and style of play. We talk about which NBA player might be the ideal complementary player to Anthony Davis, and we'll also discuss the Hawks swapping out Al Horford for Dwight Howard. We'll have some fun discussing the renaming of New Orleans sports franchises, and finally, we'll listen to a clip from Alvin Gentry on the Pelicans' trip to China in the preseason. And we'll discuss travel, time zones, health, and performance for the NBA's southeasternmost Western Conference team. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's get started. We're here with Mason Ginsburg of Bourbon Street Shots. And Mason, the first thing I'd like you to participate in is our 100 to 200 segment, where we ask you for something in between a 100-degree, mildly controversial opinion and a scorchy 200-degree opinion. So uh, I would start off by asking you, uh, what sort of opinion have you brought for us today? Take would be Pelicans can still make the playoffs. So I... I'm not I'm not bought into this this idea, but I don't think it's I don't think it's impossible. It's still it's still early, and the Pelicans. I mean, even especially thinking about last season, how many injuries they suffered, and how the season obviously didn't start in an ideal way. You have Tyreek Evans, Quincy Pondexter, and Drew all out, and those are all three to varying degrees very um, you know, highly impactful players for this for this roster. But you know, I think if you know, the, the the news came out this morning that Tyreek will be back in. A couple of weeks and he'll start with a 16 to 20 minute uh minute restriction and so they're getting guys back and if they can keep especially ad and drew are, are the key pieces if those two guys can can stay on the court together and not suffer any other sort of real serious injuries and really get a lot of games in from here on out um i think they can they have a shot to turn it around because the other players that they sign can fall into their um the roles that were intended for them so they've had a lot of guys in the pelicans over the past you know, few weeks playing roles that they weren't really comfortable in, especially right from the right from the start. But you know, I, I, again, I don't think the Pelicans gonna make the playoffs. But I think, especially after watching last night's game with Drew and seeing him really, really back 100, percent that it's a uh, you know, it, it's it's not totally impossible. So your opinion is that it's it's possible that they make the playoffs. It's it's possible. That's a scorching. <laughs> But it's 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 not but, but yeah it's not impossible but you know obviously it would have to, everything would have to go right for them and because uh, and then if you think about the fact that like last year if you think the Western Conference to get into the Western Conference playoffs it's about a 500 record then you know they, they have time to turn around and get to like get to about 500 but um but yeah so I'll I'll go with that so you're saying that they're gonna go from what they are now which is it's three and ten correct yeah uh three and ten yep. And to get to around 500 and have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it would probably take. I would say that's I don't know maybe a 130. Really? Yeah. What did you think? I mean, I thought it'd be, was, I thought it'd be hotter than that. I thought it, I thought I mean, I I I people are kind of writing them off already, and and that would and the thing is to do that it would require 
pretty much perfect health, which has been a very big problem oh. for this team. So, so I, I, I thought you'd go hotter than that. So I, well, I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate I, it. I think it's because we phrased it as it's possible versus it's likely. Okay. I think if we That's... said it's likely, I would have thought it was, you know, I, I think it's in the realm of possibility in, in sort Fair of enough. the idealized version of everybody staying healthy and playing well. Yep. Okay. <laughs> what did you have it as? Um, cl- much closer to 200, but wow. I guess, I mean, same, same frame of mind in the sense that if you were saying the Pelicans will make the playoffs, like that's, <laughs> that's probably 250. That might be, yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, if if, but, if uh, we're going with just this, the declarative statement, the Pelicans will make the playoffs. I'd put that at like a 195. Yeah. Okay. Then, then we agree there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of Drew, uh, you know, he's only had one game back. Uh, how did he look? And what do you anticipate his role is going forward as far as, you know, when he gets back into the starting uh, starting lineup? Yeah, so uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the game last night, but I did watch film um, this morning of especially particularly of Drew and kind of looking at what he was able to do. And he looked he was a little jump shot happy, which I guess Gentry may have told him just shoot because Pelicans don't have scores right now. You know, Gordon and Anderson are not on the team anymore. They they opted for more versatile, less offensively gifted players. And uh, so I, I would not be surprised if Gentry just told Drew to go out and take shots. And so um, that being said, he, you know, seven assists, one turnover. He he handled the ball well. He um, acclimated to the, to the new roster better than anyone could have expected, I think. I mean, he his numbers were pretty, pretty fantastic. 21 points on 14 shots. And um, so I, I don't think you could have asked for much better of a of a start from from drew and the pelicans obviously they won by double digits so um so all good and i think moving forward he'll obviously get back into the starting lineup sooner rather than later i think he may he may have a couple more games off the bench as he gets i mean he's he's fully healthy he's i think the way that gentry put it was that he's in great shape but not necessarily game shape um so take from that what you will and so he um but you know his limit was 30 minutes so it's not like uh, he's they were bringing him along slowly by any stretch, but he'll be you know he'll be he'll be back as a starting point guard. I, I'd say within the next week or so. And he's not coming back from injury. He's coming back from you know just a period of inactivity, really. Right, right. And so he was he was working out. Uh, I you know obviously we're we're very thankful that everything worked out as best as as possible for him and his his wife and his family. Um, you know, we've heard nothing but good things all the way through. And obviously him being back right now is a sign that everything's going, uh, very well for, for him and his wife. So, uh, you mentioned a little bit ago about Tyreek Evans potentially being, uh, two weeks away. So if, if the Pelicans get back Tyreek Evans, you know, who's their fourth best player? I think I have a hunch, but maybe I'd like you to elaborate and see if we match up. And what do you think the starting lineup should be when Tyreek does come back? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. Because there's a couple – Gentry's got a, a few different options to play with. And he's been very um, – He's been very flexible. That's the polite way to put it with the lineups and, and starting starting lineups and rotations. And uh, the, the not so nice way to put it is that he's been a little too jumpy with it. So he's been using uh, Omer, uh, Omer Ashik um, a little, uh, I think, the right way. Um, he's been bringing him in against players that he thinks he matches up well against. So Zach Randolph, um, Greg Monroe, guys like that. And so um, I don't know if he's the starter uh, in the starting line going forward or not, but it's a, it's a consideration. I think it's a matchup dependent thing. Um, 
So in terms of ideal starting lineup, I like, and I'll mention the fourth best player. I, I think right now, I think it's Tuan Moore. And I, because of what he can do on, on both sides of the ball, you know, it's been, it's been tough for Solomon Hill so far. He really hasn't done much of anything on offense. He's been a disappointment. That's, I don't think it's uh, a stretch to say that he's been fine on defense. Um, but the offense has been very lacking. The hope is that with Drew back, having the Pelicans guaranteed second best player there, take some of the offensive pressure off of him and maybe he can get going a little better. But uh, I think I think right now, I think Etwan Morris is this, their, their fourth best player. And I think I, I'm really excited to see a backcourt of, of Drew Holiday and, and him. Um, the, the question is, so I, I say Moore, AD, and Drew are the locks. Um the, the question is the other two spots, and I think you'll have a I, I think you may have a bunch of different combinations. I mean, Omer is going to be in there against certain teams, not many, but certain teams. Um, you could see Terrence Jones in there. They used Dante Cunningham a lot in the beginning of the season. Um, I think he got a little too beat up on because of his plus minus and how he, he wasn't you know he wasn't that uh, that good for for the Pelicans early on. But you know that's not his role. He's he's a backup and he's a he's a decent uh, small ball four backup, but. Um, and then obviously Solomon Hill is an option too. So um, and and Tim Frazier, we haven't even talked about Tim Frazier. I think an interesting three guard lineup with uh, with Moore, Drew, and um, and Frazier is is intriguing. I don't think it's a starting lineup, but um, but yeah. So that's a long winded answer. But Etwan Moore is my is my pick for the Pelicans' fourth best player. And as far as starting lineup goes, it's 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 going to be a, a few different things. I think until Gentry finally settles on something he likes. Interesting. Yeah, I would have. I would have just gone with my personal preference and said Terrence Jones is their fourth best player. Just, uh, I, I know they gave a lot more money to Solomon Hill, but I just think yeah. that he's really versatile and kind of fits well next to Davis in a lot of situations. But like you say, there are going to be games that Ashik starts. And, and do you think that uh, the game against the Hawks Tuesday will be a game where Ashik starts to match up with Dwight Howard? Um, it's that's an in- interesting question. I think that I think it makes sense. Uh, I don't. I definitely don't think that the Pelicans want AD um, bruising, bruising with uh, Dwight Howard down low. So I would, I would totally expect o- uh, Omer to get the start in that one. Um, and if not, I don't. I still don't think AD would be guarding Howard. I think they would use someone like uh, maybe like a Terrence Jones. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that Omer is, is the guy against the Hawks. Okay. And with when, when Tyreek Evans comes back, is he pretty much going to siphon off the minutes from Cunningham then? Um, How does that? Work? I don't know. It's a uh, it's interesting because Tyreek and Frazier both are going to play similar roles. I think uh, Frazier's a better distributor than Tyreek. Tyreek likes to just get to the rim. Um, so t- I mean, Tyreek's going to be a very needed source of scoring, but I think he's best suited with the second unit. And so I'm not sure whose minutes he's going to take. Uh, it might be some of Frazier's. It might be. I think it's going to be more of the guards than the big men. Uh, so um, still early to say. And, and like I said, his minutes are going to be low at the start but um but yeah i would expect tyreek to take away some like the, the the second unit um backcourt backcourt players mason i want to take a minute to talk about today's sponsor poli mortgage group poli mortgage group encourages people to shop rates when they're looking to refinance or buy a new home they have some of the lowest rates in the country and some of the lowest closing costs too they will even give you a quote where they will credit you money towards the closing costs or cover all of them Check them out at www.polimortgage.com. That's www.polimortgage.com. Or call 781-232-8000. Make sure to tell them that ATL and 29 sent you to receive a credit of $50 towards your closing costs. 
Offers cannot be combined with other offers. Poli Mortgages, Rates, Integrity, and Service. All licensing information is in the show notes. Poli is an equal housing lender. Now to get really theoretical on you. <laughs> you know, you've you've got this interesting core with Drew Holiday and, and Anthony Davis. And, you know, I don't know if you want to put Tyreek Evans into that. But, you know, especially with Davis, you know, there is the whole, you know, woe is the Pelicans. They have one superstar. What can they put around him? plot line and the you know my question to you would be you know if you have davis and holiday who who if you look around the league among the non-superstars would be sort of the ideal starting player role player to, to slot in with davis uh, i think you gotta still you still have to look on the wing um that's the you know that's the next step that's really what the pelicans need i mean drew holiday is a great pairing with him um, when he, when they've been playing together, Drew is, you know, the, the, uh, you, I think you could see it in the first couple, few weeks of the season that no one could really get the ball to AD in the space that, uh, you know, AD can play at his best at. And Drew, Drew does that. I mean, they're, they're on off splits when those two are on the court together is just drastically better than any other guard that AD plays with. Um, but I, I think you'd have to look at, again at the wing. I mean, even, even though they just signed Solomon Hill, he's still at his, the, the, the idea was to start him at small four, but at his best, he's still, he's still more of a four uh, than a three. So it, it's, it's tough. I'm not sure, you know, if we're looking at the non-superstar level, I mean, the guy that everyone uh, in New Orleans, I think wanted this offseason that we knew was pretty unrealistic was Nick Batum. I mean, he's, that that's a guy that I think, you know, is going to help any team, but I think something like that, some a guy that really can can knock down shots and defend, and, and not just knock down shots, but be a be a source of playmaking on offense, even if it's not the the go-to playmaker, which is what uh, Batum is, in, in my opinion. So a guy like that would probably make the the most sense with AD. I don't think I don't think the front court pairing is as important as getting a guy who can really be a threat on the wing on both ends of the court. So do the Pelicans have too many? small ball fours or just fours in general? Does that seem like they have a lot of those types of players? Yeah, I mean, they still have, I mean, again, Solomon Hill was the goal, and it's still early. I mean, if he can really um, start to make teams respect his three-point shot, then I think he can be more of a three. Um, but right now he just doesn't, he hasn't taken enough shots. He's not enough of a threat offensively to, to really play that role. He can defend it just fine, but on offense, it's, it's tough. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of guys who can play either backcourt position. So a guy like Etuan Moore, Langston Galloway, they've got these guys that can play the point or the, or the two. And then they've got guys who can play, you know, small ball four or play either front court position, at least to some degree, but they don't have that real lockdown big wing that can, that can do a lot. And so I think that's, and they haven't had that for years. Um, I mean, I think back, man, I mean, Quince, and I, I keep forgetting about Quincy Pondexter, but I mean, Quin, Quincy was, the closest thing they had, and he's not a playmaker by any means, but he can, he has a good three point shot and he was very good defensively. And I, I don't think the Pelicans, I know they don't make the playoffs in 2014, 15 without him and the trade they made for him. So it's just, it's been tough not having him. Uh, and he's been out for over a year now with that knee injury. And there's no, uh, there's no clear indication when he'll be back. So that's another tough blow for the Pelicans. Oof. Yeah. That's, that would be a player that could really fit in well. Um, yeah. If we change the topic to the Hawks for a minute, what do you think about the Horford for Howard swap in the offseason? Effectively a swap. Yeah. So Horford's one of my favorite players in the league, and I feel like most 
Atlanta fans would uh, would agree with that sentiment. Uh, and I've I've said a few times before that if we're talking about ideal front court pairings with AD, Horford's got to be at the top of the list. That being said, I you know I, I think Horford to Howard is a downgrade, but I think people may have given it a little too much criticism. I, I liked the Howard signing for Atlanta. And I mean, I, I thought if there was a place where he could get more motivated and be happy and be playing at his best that, you know, back home for him uh, in Atlanta was, you know, was the place to do it. And it seems like it's paying dividends so far. He's, he's been he's been, in my opinion, at least he's been pretty good. And the, and the Hawks record is uh, shows as much. Yeah, somebody asked me about it the other day. And what I said was, you know, if you're trying to beat the Cavaliers, I think Dwight Howard might be more helpful, but if you're trying to beat the Warriors, Al Horford's going to be more helpful. Just, you know, it, it, there are matchups where Howard really doesn't fit in necessarily. There are going to be times, I think, when the Hawks don't use him to close out games just because of the lineups that the other teams use and maybe free throws and things like that. But, you know, they had such a hard time with Cleveland the last couple of years, and I, they really needed somebody who could kind of clean up the boards and, it's it's just weird. I mean, they're, they're obviously better in some ways and, and not as good in some other ways. And it's going to be weird to see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, but I think, and again, they're, they're having a really good season so far. And I think the Howard signing has, has worked out very well for them so far. All right. Now this is a, this is a, I want to switch gears to a story that's sort of near and dear to my heart from four years ago, which was the Pelicans when they renamed the team, they, it was pretty widely known that they were going to go with Pelicans, but they also trademarked four other names at the same time. They went with Pelicans, Rougarou, Mosquitoes, Swamp Dogs, and Bull Sharks. And some of those are sound like bad carnival names, but what, <laughs> what do you think of those five choices? Did, did they pick the right one with Pelicans? I, I think so. I had, I, I had a, of those five, I think so. I had another preference, but, you know, back, back in, uh, the, I remember what it was early, early 2000s, maybe late nineties. They had a, I think that timeline's right, but they had a, a minor league hockey team. And if, and they, when the Hornets came to town, they chased the hockey team out and that was the new Orleans brass. And that was my, that was always my favorite, uh, option. You know, it had been discussed. Uh, they didn't trademark it as you noted, but I, I think that had been an option that was discussed. And I, that was, kind of were were island and what i was hoping they would go with but you know pelicans is fine i'm not i mean I, if they had man mosquitoes is really bad i don't know that's that's <laughs> what right i don't know who was thinking about that as a potential I, like yeah there are plenty of mosquitoes in new orleans but that's about as far as you want to go and and like, entertaining that name as an option i don't know but uh but yeah i mean pelicans fine it's a state bird it um you know it's i i, I wish they had kept uh the old Pierre mascot, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. But what was uh, what was your what was your preference? <laughs> I mean, I I was pretty excited, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, but but the prospect of Rougarou, where they're you know it's what would you call that? That's sort of like boogeyman, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think embracing that aspect of the culture would have been pretty exciting, kind mm -hmm. of you know kind of an attention grab and and you know just their penchant for like spooky mascots. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, with Pierre, he's he's something. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, during Mardi Gras, they they trot out the cake baby, and and that's also something. And uh, yeah, <laughs> what do you, what do you think of of first the 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 Pelicans cake baby 
mascot and and what do you think of the minor league baseball team <laughs> renaming itself the cake babies <laughs> oh man um so yeah i mean that that can kick baby i don't think the pelicans envisioned the reaction they would get about it because it, the thing is horrifying <laughs> um <laughs> I, but i don't think they really you know I, which is i guess you could see that with the original Pe- pierre the pelican they they really just didn't didn't see it coming, and yeah, that, that baby is horrifying. And then transitioning now to the minor league team, even the, the baby cakes, it's 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 ridiculous. And I've I don't love the name, but wait, they uh, went with baby cakes instead of cake babies. Yeah. Well, so that was that was my I, I don't know if it's a copyright issue or trademarking with with memorabilia, but yeah, they went with baby baby cakes, and oh, it's that's ridiculous. terrible. It's ridiculous, but I mean, I, the, what what I've said is it's my, minor league baseball is a whole other animal. It's not pro sports, <laughs> like no one. No one really like. Is your world going to change if the, your minor league baseball team wins the championship or they're at the bottom of the standings? Is that going to change many people's decision to go to a game or not? I don't. I just don't think so. It's a it's a family atmosphere, or it's 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 college kids going to get cheap beer on whatever night, like Thirsty Thursday for New Orleans sake. Um, but I don't know. I I think kids kids will uh will connect with that name and and they'll ask you know they'll ask their parents, can we go see the baby cakes? You know, and that's that's. <laughs> That's what they're trying to do, and and you know I think they they did some them focus some focus groups, and that name blew the other options out of the water. So, um, you know it is it is what it is. I think people, including my brother, who my brother was a bat boy for the uh, for the Zephyrs for years growing up, and he's he's not happy at all with this name. And I've been tra- I've been trying to tell him just calm down. It's it's okay. The world's not going to end. But he's 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 all he's about to like boycott the team. And I'm, I'm just, yeah, he's he's being a little ridiculous about it. But I think I think. Yeah, you know, again, it's minor league baseball. Well, now it you know what what to get him for a holiday gift. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and and sticking with the new, you know, the very New Orleans centered theme here, uh, what do you think about the All Star Game being? I think it's nine, maybe nine days. I guess it's probably more like ten or eleven days before the All Star Game. Yeah. Um, so, oh, oh you, like in in terms of Mardi Gras and and the, the All Star Game. Yeah, uh, did I say that backwards, or did I say the same I, thing twice? Yeah, yeah, that, no, but I, 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 think, I follow you. And it's, so I it's, think All-Star Game is on a Sunday, and then Mardi Gras is probably nine days later on a Tuesday. Right, and so right? the way, yeah, the way Mardi Gras works is that you have, uh, I don't know if you've been or not, but there's, so the, the big weekend is the weekend right before Mardi Gras, and sure. then the weekend before, there are still parades, they're not as as big parades. It's not as much of a festivity, uh, but there are parades that roll downtown, uptown. So there's going to be, you know, if you go down for uh, the All Star Weekend, you're gonna you're gonna hit some parades too. Like that's not, I, I don't see how that's that wouldn't happen. So it's it's interesting. Uh, it's going to be logistically very. If there's any city that can handle it, it's it's new Orleans, but, uh, it should be a fun weekend. I'm, I keep checking, uh, flights from Chicago to see if they're, that they're still really, they're still pretty expensive for that weekend, which I think is pretty, is likely due to the all-star game. Cause, um, you know, Mardi Gras weekend is usually expensive for flights, but the weekend before is typically not as bad. So, um, I'm hoping to make it down. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Hopefully prices will cooperate. <laughs> Mason, you probably know better than anyone that the Pelicans have, struggled with injuries and things like that in recent years. I wanted to discuss travel and time zones and things like that, but as a starter, you know, I asked Alvin Gentry a couple of weeks ago during the preseason uh, what it took for the Pelicans to reacclimate to the United States after their trip to China. 
Coach, what do you do to reacclimate after you go through a trip over in China and you get all the time zone differences and things like that? It's been hard. I'm telling you, it's been really hard. Like, I, I finally, this morning, woke up and felt okay. But, you know, we came yesterday, and, I mean, it has just been a, a, a tough go at it, uh, trying to get back adjusted. And uh, I think it takes about five days or a week to, you know, constantly, you know, sleeping when you're not supposed to and feeling <laughs> terrible to get, get back to that area right there. You know, the, the, the part that stood out to me there is when I looked at the schedule and saw that the Pelicans were going to China, it's just, you know, you think of, of the preseason as a time for learning and maybe some training and conditioning. And, you know, the main thing you want out of it is just to have everybody sort of tuned up and healthy and ready to go at the end of the season. And you look at, you know, a slog to, to China, and while it's great for exposure and things like that and marketing and, you know, getting your name out there, at the same time, it's it's still a pretty grueling trip. I mean, when you hear Adam Silver talk about whether or not the NBA is going to expand to Europe, you know, his answer is always, well, that would be really tough in terms of travel and, you know, fitting it into the schedule and trying to get the players to adjust when they come over and adjust when they come back and things like that. So, you know, my question is, was it a good thing for, for the Pelicans to go to China or, or is it, you know, for a team that with a sort of historically – tricky track record with respect to health is that kind of dicey i i tend to agree with you i mean i don't so there's an argument that the team is a bunch of new guys um and it was good for them to get out and kind of bond and and learn about each other and uh, so i think i think that from that sense it was positive but from the actual on-court basketball sense yeah i think that was probably not not the best call um i mean it, it limits your ability it limits your time in training camp to really learn with with those new players and so i think would i think the pelicans would absolutely have been better served not going and playing a full doing a full training camp in new orleans but um you know that being said i don't think it's i don't think it was a catastrophic decision i but i think if i had the option i would have said keep them keep them in the states let them have a full camp and really make sure you know this the new guys are under understand you know gentry system and and how to play with with everyone else and and but you know it is you know, it is what it is yeah and and as it turns out you know uh coach gentry said he felt great for the first time in a long time when i asked him that and then he didn't coach that night and darren Ehrman took over <laughs> <laughs> and Ehrman, you know at one point in the game this is a this mind you this is a hawks Pelicans preseason game and it's like a dead ball in the third quarter and you know you could probably hear a pin drop and I was sitting close to the floor and Ehrman was going he was really trying to get Lance Stevenson's attentions at one point during that dead ball and he's saying Lance 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 and you know it's like echoing through the arena you know that call of Lance from Ehrman and Stevenson didn't flinch he just kept going about doing what he wanted to do (laughs) goodness yeah that was yeah. interesting pelican's great yeah. lance Stevenson. is he going to come <laughs> oh, back man. at some point well, was that kind of a numbers game with health is that it would they bring him back later in the season yeah it was a, i mean they, they've talked about it and i think that it was a very it was a mutual party stevenson understood the um you know the rationale and so um i think you could see him uh back if the situation presents itself but um you know they've got a and Goodwin hasn't really played since uh, they added him, so uh, we'll we'll see. But 
as you know, assuming the Pelicans get Drew and and Tyreek back, that uh, I mean, Tyreek is that that is duplicative to have Lance Stevenson and Tyreek Evans, I think. So, um, so well, I mean, we'll see, but yeah, I I don't know if I see Lance Stevenson coming back just because unless unless Tyreek Evans isn't on the roster or isn't healthy, I don't I don't really see a need for 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 Lance. Right, so it'd probably be more like an injury thing then. Like if if somebody got hurt, they would bring him back. But yeah, if so basically ex- stays healthy, then probably yeah, not. Yes. Yeah, so basically expect him to be back in the Pelicans. <laughs> oh no. Well, speaking of the health of the Pelicans, you know, one other question that I had was, you know, what do you think of of the Pelicans? You know, being in the Central Time Zone and having to play in the Western Conference, is, is there a cumulative effect to having to make as many West Coast trips as they do, you know, starting out from New Orleans? Is that a bad thing? And and if it is, you know, would you be in favor of the Pelicans joining the Eastern Conference if the conferences were ever to be aligned due to expansion or anything else? So uh, the, the, the Hornets were, the very first year they moved to New Orleans, they were in the East for one year, and then they moved to the West. Remember, we played the Sixers in the playoffs, and Allen Iverson just destroyed us. Um, but uh, but so I, I've looked at the mileage traveled, distance traveled for for teams in the, over the past couple of years, and the Pelicans are never at the top. Uh, you know, it's always teams like the Portlands or the teams on the West Coast. But um, you know, that being said, I, I think you know whatever limits, whatever makes the travel less cumbersome on, on the team, I'm in favor of, and especially given that you know. The Western Conference has historically been such a juggernaut. You know, of course, it would probably be New Orleans' luck to, to switch over just as the balance of power moves <laughs> moves to the East. But, um, but yeah, I mean that that's it's a it's a reasonable thing to, to discuss, especially if you know we, that Seattle ever gets a team back. Um, you know, which I it sounds like though that you know hopefully will happen at some point. Um, but it's yeah that would logistically you know that would seem to make sense. But um, I don't think it's been too brutal for for them uh i mean the you can usually pack in those western conference or, or those west coast swings all a few games a few games in one trip and so it's not you know the schedule schedulers do a decent job of that so um i wouldn't say it's i wouldn't make any excuses uh with that as the you know as the rationale behind it yeah i, I did some digging to try to find out you know things about miles and time zones and things like that and i didn't get far with the with the mileage thing, except for this season and the, and the Hawks and Pelicans, you know, were sort of in the barely in the bottom half in terms of miles traveled. And they were right next to each other, which kind of surprised me that yeah. I, I figured Atlanta would be traveling a lot less, but I also saw something that said that, you know, in terms of NBA performance and time zones, you know, the only real, the only real correlation they could put together in terms of, of travel and time zones and how teams performed was that, Teams that played west of their home time zones during day games tended to do worse, and that was the only real connection that they had where it actually impacted performance. And I wondered if that could have affected the Pelicans because they were playing west of their home base more often probably than most teams. Hmm, interesting. That makes sense. I mean, it must feel like you're playing in the morning <laughs> in that situation. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's hmm. weird. All right, well, uh, do you have anything to plug? Um, just, uh, just our website, Bourbon Street Shots. So ESPN True Network affiliate for the, Pel- uh, for the Pelicans. Um, you know, a lot of, a 
lot of good stuff this season. We've, we've come out really strong. I think last year everyone got bummed about the the injuries and how the season took a turn, and uh, ourselves included. And we we didn't. I don't think last year was our best year as a site, but we've really uh you know recommitted and we're I think we're putting out a lot of good content all around. Got a lot of good writers, so definitely encourage encourage people to, to check it out. Excellent. Yeah, I, I really like that site. Well, Mason, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on with us. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to, to the game. All right. Well, Pelicans, Hawks, Tuesday, something to look forward to. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. I'd also like to thank our listeners for joining us, especially if you made it this far. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, Poli Mortgage Group. Rates, integrity, and service. <laughs>